0: This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast. Covering high school and college sports here on the Eastern Shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley. Presented by the Preston Automotive Group. And now, here's Mark and Mike episode number 91 another playoff edition here has recovered the maryland state high school football playoffs and semifinal action from this past weekend and now looking ahead to the finals as well we'll do both here for this podcast mike bradley and the coach Damian farragamo joining us Uh, mark potter should be back with us here in the next week or so and uh, coach uh, good to to have you join us again and uh, we hope you had a great thanksgiving weekend
1: Oh yeah, very very relaxing. Um, we have the hard reality of going going to work tomorrow.
0: <laughs> well, as we record this on a Sunday, uh, this podcast will drop on a Tuesday. But yes, uh, Monday is right around the corner. I don't I don't share that because I had to work most of the weekend. So I don't I don't feel sorry for you. But we do hope everybody had a great uh, Thanksgiving holiday weekend. I know mine was definitely filled with a ton of football and and not just a uh, uh, Bayside Conference football, but also the Turkey Bowl at Towson University between my alma mater, Calvert Hall, and Loyola which didn't go the way that I had hoped, Uh, but that's a very good Loyola team. And then we had Maryland football on Saturday. We also had uh, Michigan-Ohio State on Saturday, Uh, so a lot taking place. And, of course, uh, as we do this, the Ravens have yet to play. They'll play on Sunday night football against the L.A. Chargers. But this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by the Edge Training Academy, where passion beats performance located in Stevensville at 112 Long Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. You can train there, play there, and give there more info at the edge360.net. Well, coach, uh, we're down to one. Uh, Steven Decatur had a semifinal game in the 2A against Milford Mill. Cambridge had a semifinal in the 1A against Fort Hill. Cambridge, unfortunately, did not come up uh, as a winner. We knew that was going to be an uphill battle. They end up losing 38-20, the final out in Cumberland, ending their season at 10-3. But the Stephen Decatur Seahawks, they pulled out a thriller, a thriller against Milford Mill in a rematch from the previous year. They win 35-34. I know that you watch the game on the SDHS YouTube channel which I was very uh, fortunate to be a part of in uh, doing the color commentary for the second half. But coach, let me get your take your analysis from afar uh, on the, on the game.
1: Well, first off, I want to talk about just the production of what Steven Decatur does on YouTube. Um, very rarely do you get to see a game, you know, with that kind, with that kind of production, with the replays. I just think they do a fabulous job with that. Um, and, you know, it was great hearing you doing the, uh, the color in the second half, but, um, the game overall, you know, I, it was kind of what I expected. I expected it to be a high-scoring game. And um, as it started off early, it looked like Stephen Decatur was going to just, you know, g- grab it by the throat and and kind of make it a laugher. But uh, Milford Mill being defending state champs, guys who've been there before, um, it, it, made it made it come down to the wire.
0: This was a game of momentum swings, coach. You could see that. And you're absolutely right. Steven Decatur scoring on their first drive, getting out to an early lead. And I mean, folks, they led 28 to 7, 28 to 7 late in the first half. But, Coach, that all changed, uh, the momentum all changed, I should say, when they scored Milford-Mill, that is, on the very last play of the first half, which I know certainly Stephen Decatur laments that they allowed that there. And then Milford-Mill turns around and gets a big kickoff return to start the second half. They put up a couple of scores. They get a couple of stops. And before you know it, this is a ball game.
1: And Milford-Mill, like, they, they started to get back into the football game. Well, number one, like, it, it was by all accounts a Hail Mary to end the half. Um, It wasn't exactly like a Hail Mary, but, you know, it was it was a desperation. Throw it in the end zone, see what happens. And, uh, you know, it kind of surprisingly, guy's all by himself. Yeah,
0: Um, he was cutting across the field from left to right on a 45 degree angle. And he caught the ball and was able to get in. And I know I didn't make this statement, but uh, my uh, my my coach was making the statement uh, in the uh, in the box. Why didn't they line up five or six across the goal line there? And uh, and play defense that way. They didn't do that. Um, it's a good question, and, and certainly I know Coach Apple's uh, forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But I think it was a fair question to ask, though.
1: Oh yeah, and you know, any any time someone completes a pass like that, at the end of half, the, the questions are going to come. So uh, you know, if they'd have played back there and they would have get hit by with like a hook and lateral or something like that, we'd have other questions. Sure, but um, yeah, that's fair. You know, they were able to respond and and not let that. Um, you know, not, not let that cost them the game. But um, I think Milford Mill kind of got back into it when they finally started committing to run the football. Um, I know the first play of the game, Milford Mill ran, it was under center, which I was a little surprised about. And they ran a full, just a straight fullback dive or wedge, kind of like Colonel Richardson for 11 yards. And they didn't run it again the entire game.
0: Now, look, coming into the game, they ran the ball more this year than they had thrown the ball. And they came out throwing the ball as much, if not more, than running the ball. Now, to be to be fair, Decatur's defense early on was getting a fair amount of wins up front against their running game. That said, their running game was also having some success at times as well. But in the second half, Coach, that changed. That offensive line really started to dominate the defensive line to the front seven of decatur and they ran a ton of zone stretch plays to the left and they, they were going exclusively to the left time after time after time after time and they were just getting chunk play after chunk play after chunk play
1: and that's milford mill had a mountain of a human on that, that left tackle um i don't know the height and weight of that kid but good gracious he, he he was big and um yeah and i think that's important in the run game like It may not be working early, but when you have a line the size of mill for mill, you just have to keep doing it. And I think it might have been that, that size that kind of wore Stephen Decatur's front down in the second half. The Stephen Decatur has undersized guys Absolutely. on the defensive line.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's no, no, no question about that. They face teams bigger than them all year and they play fast and smart. And, and a guy like Gavin Salido is out there flying around, uh, making play after play after play. Uh, you've got Sully Alker, their, uh, their nose tackle who uh, is just uh yeah, he's full of energy. He's out there making plays himself, uh, doing everything he has to do. And you know those are the kind of guys—the gritty, blue-collar guys you see uh, from the Kent Island defenses of the world out there. You know they don't necessarily have D1 guys out there, but they're out there making play after play because they've got blue-nosed, uh, or excuse me, blue-collar, tough-nosed, gritty, fast, smart guys out there playing ball who don't give up, have high motors, and, and that's why they've been so successful. But you credit Milford Mill—they had the size and they were dominating there. But the the turning point back for Stephen Decatur in this game. Is the change at quarterback there? Now, let's not get dramatic in the sense that we certainly know that for uh, you know for Decatur that uh, you know uh, Bolden uh, Kareem Bolden the transfer from Seaford he played quarterback for Seaford last year and he took him to the state semifinal and he is a part of some of the packages that they have, but clearly they felt like they needed to make a change there. Uh, to to get something sparked, um, to show something that Milford Bill hadn't seen, Coach, and boy, did it work uh, <laughs> to perfection because they ended up scoring on that drive.
1: And I got to be completely honest. When they did that, I was texting my friends. I was like, Steven Decatur is panicking." Um, I didn't like it. It shows what I know. <laughs> but you know, I'm not with those kids every day. I don't know what they practice. You know, but I was like, I you know, I don't like this because. I thought, like, in a wildcat, I was like, who better than Bryson Coleman mm-hmm. to run the football if you want to run it with your quarterback? Um, but it just – and then the first two plays were not good. <laughs> I think the first two plays might have been an incompletion in if I remember correctly.
0: Thing, yeah, you're um, right. The first couple of plays did not work out well. Yeah.
1: And then a, I believe it was like a 13 I, – I sound like you being able to recite plays, like a 13- or 15-yard scramble for a first down, and then the floodgates opened, and everything yeah. was clicked on all cylinders. Bryson Coleman able to catch a pass and uh, kind of had Mill for Mill back on their heels.
0: Yeah, and Bolden's a guy that he's more of a runner than a thrower, but he's he's a competent thrower. And so when you've got him as a dual threat back there, and then you've got Coleman, who's going to play at the Division One level as a wide receiver, a flex tight end at Vanderbilt next year, um, you, you've just expanded what you can do offensively there to a certain degree. And it presents something different as well, even though we certainly know Bryson is more than capable of, uh, of running as well, but you just enhance the wide receiver spot by putting him Out there, Uh, and uh, and still, you have a quarterback coming in that may not be as good as a thrower as he is, but still has a scrambling scrambling ability. And he used that in a couple of plays in that one, including the third down play that you talked
1: about. And that's just like a a little little advice to all the armchair quarterbacks. And I'm not immune from that. I'm an armchair quarterback. uh, You know when I'm when I'm watching those games and I bet you Steven Decatur's been practicing that for a month or more
0: yeah and that's what yeah. I mean like let, let's not let's not jump to oh my gosh they they pull Bryson. no that that's a package that they have uh with with Bolden it, and they just felt like at that point they needed to use it there for whatever reason whether the offense needed to jump start which it did or they felt like look we think that uh, you know we could catch Mill for Mill off guard a little bit because we hadn't run that package yet in this game you know we saved it for opportunities like this whatever the the reasoning may be and I think certainly it's probably all of the above uh, if you're going to use it now the times to do it to try to change the momentum to give them a different look to jump start the offense all of the above so yeah it, it is something that no doubt they've been practicing.
1: Yeah, and and I think another huge um huge factor in this game were special teams and not so much Steven Decatur making plays on special teams but Milford Mill just with with just blunders on special teams especially their punt team.
0: Well, and, and this one they had a bad snap that Decatur recovered for a touchdown. Uh, they also missed an extra point. They went for a two point conversion that they didn't get. So there are points that were missed uh, left on the field in this one. And when you're talking about a one point difference, you know those certainly add up.
1: And I believe there was another. There was a blocked punt as well. Yeah, uh, one where yes, Milford Mill. Kicked their personal protector right in the butt with the ball, yeah. which which made a bad punt. Yes, which I believe yes. may have been in the fourth quarter. But I'm not sure yeah
0: I think you're I think you're right about that yes there was one other blunder yeah special teams not very good for uh for Milford Hill in uh, in that one but the Bolden uh, the Bolden drive at quarterback uh that drive ended up being the difference in the game as Decatur wins 3534. Uh, we'll take a quick time out and hear from our friends at the Preston Automotive Group
1: the top 60 sales drive continues at Preston Ford save over ten thousand dollars off MSRP on select 2023 Ford F-150s Trade up into the 2023 Mustang Mackey with a thousand dollars preston trade assistance over 800 new fords in inventory and hundreds more in transit for our top 60 sales drive every new vehicle purchase comes with preston for life engine guarantee is our investment in you our doors are open to 8 on the weekdays and 8 30 until 6 on saturdays shop online at prestonford.com and remember cars cost less in preston
0: let's run down the capsule here uh keith demko of the daily times uh with the story here in laying out all that happened here. Uh, so Stephen Decatur, as we mentioned, they won a thriller over Milford Mill 35-34. to So Davin Chandler opened the scoring with a touchdown to give the Seahawks a 7 nothing lead, but Milford Mill evened things up with a rushing touchdown to make it 7-7 to at the end of the first quarter. Uh, quarterback Bryson Coleman for Decatur scored on a quarterback keeper in the second quarter to give the Seahawks a 14-7 lead, and then special teams came in to play in a big way after Milford Mill snapped the ball over the punter's head on a sub. Possession. Bolden jumped on the ball in the end zone for his first touchdown of the night, had a 21 to 7 lead. And that's where it looked like, oh boy, things are really uh, getting out of hand here. The momentum has uh, certainly gone to the side of Decatur. And special teams continued to be a big factor as Ethan Bradshaw then recovered a blocked Milford Mill punt, and Bolden scored his second touchdown on the next Decatur possession to make it 28 to 7. At the end of the first half, though, Milford Mill quarterback Deshaun Purdy completed a long touchdown pass to make it 28 14. And that's where the the momentum started to swing as mill for mill opened the scoring in the second half with a touchdown. uh, And that was thanks to in part by a big kickoff return that gave him good field position around midfield. But Decatur blocked the extra point to keep the score at 28-20. And then Milford Mill wasn't done scoring touchdowns after another one and a failed two-point conversion made the score 28-26. Purdy completed another long TD pass, and Milford Mill made the two-point conversion to take the 34-28 lead. And then that's where, needing a surge of momentum, Decatur made a change It paid off big. They moved Bolden, the quarterback, Coleman out the wide receiver, and Bolden scored on the quarterback, sneak to cap off a strong drive that gave Decatur a 35-34 lead. And then from there, it came down to a decisive Decatur. Fourth and one with a minute left. And Coleman converted it on a quarterback sneak to seal the victory for the Seahawks. But there was another play, though, defensively on the previous series when Milford Mill had the ball um, with uh, about two and a half minutes, maybe a little less coach. Um, they, of course, had to go for it on a fourth and one and uh, a a shoestring tackle, uh, a trip up of uh, Milford Mill running back uh, turned the ball over on downs to Decatur there inside their own 50 and uh, inside Milford Mill's own 50, that is. And that was a huge play there as well.
1: Oh, yeah. And um, I also think that the there were a lot of flags in this game for um, just the stuff that I thought would have been officiated around. <laughs> there were some there were some personal fouls and listen you don't know ever know what comes out of somebody's mouth, but it looked like there were some some flags thrown, but and they, and they were thrown for both teams. So I don't think there was an advantage or disadvantage either way. But for for kids who made a first down and and had a very mild celebration. Um, I would just like those things to be kind of you, you talk kids out of it. You give them a warning. You say, hey, listen, keep it under control. But they were the flags were flying.
0: No, look, uh, there were some definitely questionable calls. Uh, The refs in this one uh, were not as good as you would have liked them to have been, quite honestly. And look, I go back to the Turkey Bowl the other day. That's supposed to be one of the top private school games uh, in the Baltimore area. And those refs were absolutely horrible. And I'll make no bones about it. They were were horrible. (laughs) They really were. They had no clue what they were doing out there. Uh, but yes, and I tell you, on Milford Mill, and I, you know, I, keeping notes in the first half when I wasn't doing the color commentaries, I filled into the second half on Decatur's second uh, defensive series, the pass interference call on third down on Decatur that was terrible. That was good coverage there. Uh, that should not have been thrown. If uh, if that holds, if that stays, is just you know a pass breakup there. Then Milford Mill has to punt. They don't end up scoring. On that uh, on that drive, they don't tie the game up at seven apiece, but that extended the drive there in which they were able to score.
1: And there were on uh, more than one delay of game calls coming out of a dead ball, which the play clock had been started early because it was 10 or 15 seconds and everybody's standing there in disbelief where they called a uh, called delay of game. I think they were both on cater, if I remember correctly.
0: Uh, at least one of them was, if not, if not a couple. Yeah, you're you're right about that. And uh, you know, as I wrote, certainly penalties in the first half were uh, a part of this that that certainly helped on the for uh, Mill touchdown drive. Um, also, there were some uh, other, uh, you know, other highlights here. Uh, now, I mentioned Gavin Salido on the very first uh, on the very first defensive series, uh, coach. Uh, Decatur stopped Milford Mill in a fourth and one inside Milford Mill's fifty. Uh-huh. They went for it on fourth down on their very first drive inside the fifty, which may have shown uh, confidence, arrogance, or both. Now the thing is, though, Stephen Decatur wasn't able to do anything with that really good field position on that second drive. They ended up having to quick kick it there, and then that's where on that second defensive series, you know, Decatur got the bad PI call. Uh, if they hold there, Decatur's probably got really good field position for their next uh, for their next offensive stand.
1: And I thought it was a good call for Mill for Mill to go for it there because I would have been under center running that fullback wedge with just the, the size advantage. And if you get tight splits and start pushing on a, a very undersized defensive line, I, I got to think you're going to get half a yard. But uh, they went with the stretch play. And that stretch play kind of plays into what Stephen Decatur does defensively, being being able to find those creases and, and make yourself small and get, and get through and make plays in the backfield.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, special teams um, – you know, that uh, pass interference call, Uh, You also uh, were taking a look at, uh, you know, Milford Mill was giving uh, some cushion to some of the Stephen Decatur wide receivers. So they had uh, some success on some rollout passes to uh, some of the guys that were getting cushioned there. Um, You know, Milford Mill certainly has some receivers, though, that can get deep down the field. And while you Mm -hmm. saw a lot of uh, formations where uh, they had a a mini pistol with a wing back and then just a receiver to each side, and they were just running the football constantly out of that formation, uh, all they had to do, is is step back and throw uh, deep fly patterns to, to either one of the receivers uh who were very good and they did get steps uh on uh, they did get steps on times on the uh, on the corners. I mean this was this was a matchup where you know certainly Decatur was stressed uh in the sense that uh, you know mill for mill uh, could match uh if not exceed you know what Decatur has from a speed and athleticism standpoint and that's why we knew this was going to be such a good game. Uh but Decatur was able to you know, come out and uh, and seize the opportunity, get the momentum back in the second half at the most critical of times and win the game. I know there was a play where uh, uh, David Chandler uh, with recovery speed made a heck of a, a swipe on a, on a deep pass down uh, down the middle of the field. Now, I'm, I'm trying to remember if that was uh, late in the first half or if that was just a a series where the defense held. I can't remember exactly, but I know that play sticks out in my mind. By the way, in the press box that we're seeing, Chandler has received a scholarship offer to West Virginia, by the way.
1: Yeah, I'd heard that on the broadcast, um, yeah. and maybe
0: Purdue also. I, I think, uh, I, yeah, I think that name came up as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll have to get that uh, nailed down from Coach uh, from Coach Coleman. But you know, I, you know, Coach, just to take a step back for a second, you know, the atmosphere in Berlin Friday night, uh, the stands were packed uh, with uh, parents, of course, with students, with alumni, with just community members that care, that support the program. And uh, they got their cowbells out. And, and I have to say, it, it made me feel like I was in Centerville at a Queen Anne's County uh, playoff game because I know that the, the Lions fans are known for bringing out their cowbells uh, for those uh, for those playoff games. I don't know if they do that in North Carolina. I, I don't think they did, but maybe they've done it in the past. But I know Queen Anne's has done that. But the atmosphere was unbelievable. When you go into that press box, You know, everybody in there uh, is committed to making it such a great uh, game day experience. You know, Dave Dotson, I mean, we can't say enough about all the work that he's put in from an IT perspective um, in, in working with the software that they have uh, to put on the production they do on the Steve Decatur High School YouTube channel. Um, they've got the brand new scoreboard. And of course, uh, you know, he's hooked up to that and uh, providing, uh, you know, replays and graphics and all sorts of things there. The PA announcer does a phenomenal job. He sounds, he sounds Like we're at a college or NFL game. I mean, you talk about a lot of excitement, enthusiasm, professionalism. uh, Got a great voice for it. Does a really good job. Uh, The staff that helps David Dotson out. And doing all that, uh, you know, and doing all that that they do, um, you know, with uh, his son and some other folks that help him out there in manning the software, while he could go back and forth all over the place and do what he needs to do as well. And, and then you've got the broadcast uh, team uh, that uh, does the YouTube channel, uh, Tyler Riley, uh, that uh, I worked with in the second half, but Mike Hughes, who I filled in for, and uh, those guys just do a really, really good job. And uh, it makes it for one heck of an experience. And coach, you've been a part of these state championship runs. You run a state championship. Uh, You've been in some big runs with Kent Island before. Um, Boy, there is just something to be said for that kind of atmosphere when it's do or die, when it's ratcheted up in a close game like this. Um, you don't get too many games like that during the course of a regular season. You just don't. Game three of the regular season, more times than not, isn't anywhere like what that state semifinal game in Berlin was like on Friday.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, like Stephen Decatur right now does not have a rivalry. They don't have a rivalry game that is like a, a Ken Island Queen Anne's would be. Um, you know, to have that atmosphere that kind of feels like the playoffs even when it isn't. Um and it was also great to see Steven Decatur like in a close game, which they haven't had yet this year. So there was that question, like in a close game, how would they respond? Because they pretty much won every game going away um this year. Probably their was their closest game. Um Ken Island this year, probably, or, or North Carolina. No, it was probably Ken Island.
0: Ken Island was an 18-point win. Yeah, I mean, a, a couple of interceptions in the first quarter from from Bryson Coleman, which is, you know, unlike him against Queen Anne's, made it close in the first quarter, but then they dominated from the second quarter on against the Lions. I think they scored four times in that second quarter. So, you're right. They have not they've not been tested much. I mean, I certainly I'm sure the coaching staff and the players knew that this was going to be their toughest game so far. They knew that. Uh, but you're right. Until you're out, you know, and and being tested like that, how are you going to respond? That's a big character check, coach. And uh, look, you and I have been doing this long enough, and and, and you more than me. And you uh, you again, you've coached for a long time, been a head coach, and won a state title and and had a lot of success. But I've seen enough games where when Milford Mill scored at the end of the first half, and then they had the kickoff return in the second half, and then they drove down and scored. I got a sinking feeling in my stomach because. I've seen teams like this before where even though they're really good, they get down in a game like this, but all of a sudden they get a play here or there and then they just end up pouring it on where they end up being the team that got them there, you know, that they showed the talent that they have and and all that and then all of a sudden the tables turn and what was a 28 to 7 lead all of a sudden is not a lead anymore and I've seen that happen in a lot of games where Ultimately, a team like Mill for Mill wins that. For Decatur to stem the tide, to get that scoring uh, drive with Bolden in at quarterback with the change there, and what they did—I mean, that was that was substantial. Because if they don't score there, coach, I think it's over. And you could tell that you know some of the Decatur players—you um, know—they they were feeling it. They were feeling it. They needed that momentum swing. They were feeling the tide of Milford Mill. And Coach Coleman said at the end of the game, Milford Mill, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, was not going gentle into that good night.
1: So a, a lot of a lot of football games especially these big football games happen between the ears of of 16 17 and 18 year old boys. Mm-hmm. Um so that that doubt that creeps into your head when everything in that game has been going your way and honestly everything in this season has been going your way and then all of a sudden it's not and you know you're in week 13 and you're faced with something you haven't haven't been faced with before. So um, it's a lot of credit to Steven Decatur to be able to weather that storm with really nothing in their minds, as far as players, coaches have been through it a million times, but as far as players, you know, nothing to go back on and, and remember a time where they overcame that adversity in a game because it just hasn't happened this year.
0: Yeah. Now, for those players last year that played the game at Milford Mill, although not as fresh. They had some of that to go on, but for the players that didn't really play much last year, this was their first experience with adversity. And this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast brought to you by Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and shingle master roofers take care of your home or business today. More info at midshoreexteriors.com. So, Coach, from a macro standpoint here, of not just Steven Decatur's program as they go, by the way, to their first state championship game ever in football program history, but also for the Bayside as well now in the 2A, which, as we know, the Bayside's made up of 2A and 1A teams, and um, most of the teams are 2A. Um, for a second team from the Bayside to go back to the state championship game, back to back years out of the 2A, talk to us what that means from a Decatur program standpoint. But and and also from a Bayside Conference standpoint.
1: Well, I think it it just raises expectations for for everybody, especially those those handful of teams that are at the top um, right now. So, you know, you've played if you see a North Carolina, a Ken Island going the last two years, um, you know, you see these teams succeeding. And, you know, a kid can look around the, the weight room and say, yeah, we play these guys all the time. We played them well. You know, we beat them at certain points. You can really put that in your head and you, you see that the the goal is actually obtainable. Um, when I was at Old Mill, I actually watched Arundel lose to Quince Orchard in the 4A state championship game where Arundel had a huge lead. And it just dawned on me, it's like, we lost by a score to Arundel. You know, it's like, you know, we can be in this game. We should be in this game. So it kind of raises your expectations and, and you're no longer looking to be the Bayside champ or, win that rivalry game, you know that you can be a player at the state level.
0: For Decatur, you know, we've seen them rise over the last couple of years. I know for me, having done radio broadcasts, and I mentioned this on the YouTube channel, you know, I did the games from 08 through 10, produced the games back in 07 to see where the program has come. I mean, they've certainly... You know, set the gold standard in the Bayside the last couple of years, along with you know, Ken Island. Last year, Ken Island's done it for a much longer period of time. Uh, Queen Anne's as well. North Carolina had their run. They've certainly now set a new level for for their program
1: and where they uh, where they want to be at. When you develop a program, so these are these are programs. They're not teams. When you develop that program, like you should be in the conversation every year. Now, every year it doesn't work out. Every year you don't have the talent base that another team may have, but you're in that conversation. Um, and, you know, definitely to to win those first two playoff games, um, you know, it, it's a big deal to go out and play other people in the state.
0: This portion of the time out with Short Sports Podcast is brought to you by For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient mental health, Give me just a second here. Psychiatric yes. education and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish-speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at org And... You know, f- from a Bayside Conference perspective, Coach, uh, with this, you know, we talk about the need to play more teams from the Western Shore to get that kind of attention, and these playoff games obviously enable them to do that. I would love to see more non-conference games throughout the year instead of conference games, which would help, you know, raise that uh, that level of awareness of Bayside Conference football, and it also gets, uh, you know, more eyes and ears on these teams. It gets them uh, more of the attention they deserve and, uh, you know, more of the rankings they deserve in the top 25 in the state uh, but certainly over the last two years the Bayside has afforded themselves well you know with these uh you know with these kind of wins and Decatur will have one more shot at further adding to that with their matchup against Huntingtown and you know coach we haven't talked about that yet in terms of the matchups with the uh with the 2A. Uh, or excuse me, with the uh, championship matchups in the two A, Stephen Decatur and Huntingtown. Head coach, I-, I-, I haven't seen Walkersville, so I can't really speak to them. But I- to me, Stephen Decatur matches up extremely well with Huntingtown. In fact, to me, they—I uh, I feel as if they're two very similar teams. Now, Huntingtown may have some bigger size on the lines a little bit, uh, and-, and certainly they got a couple of big guys on the O line. But I still don't see them being that smashmouth physical team as much as Milford Mill uh, can be in the run game i just think that Decatur's speed and athleticism matches up quite well with huntingtown where ken island quite didn't have that on the defensive side to be able to do
1: that i think huntingtown and Steve decatur are both very happy with their matchup um like you said i think they're extremely similar teams um you know what, what i'd be worried about steven decatur is a team like milford mill who has that size that may be able to just wear you wear you down running in between the tackles right um right Steve Decatur was able to weather that storm and come out on top. Um, and even though Huntingtown beat Walkersville, and I think they beat them pretty well, I think Walkersville might have been a tougher competition than Huntingtown for them, just because they, they match up so so well. What Steve Decatur does defensively, with their undersized kids and and doing stuff with speed, matches what Huntingtown does offensively.
0: Yeah, I, I mean the the one thing I guess I would be scared about is that Walkersville came in one of the hottest teams in the playoffs and the fact that they lost twenty seven to seven to Huntingtown, that, that would be the only scary thing for me. Ooh. I mean but again though, Huntingtown could say, Well, look at Decatur and what they did against Mill for Bill. That's a, a, a team full of talent, not just speed and athleticism, but also size in the trenches as well.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you got to be concerned. No, th- there are no cupcakes playing the last week of the right, season. So, right. Um, right. It, it's, it's going to be tough regardless of who it is. Yeah. I just, I like this match. I like this game. I think it's going to be extremely entertaining. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a lot like mill for mill. Like you're going to have to score 35 points to win this game. I,
0: I could see this being a high scoring affair. Both quarterbacks who could run and throw both teams have guys to be able to throw to. And, uh, you know, th- teams that, uh, with Huntingtown, they certainly showed as well that they could run the football but they like to do it out of the spread not load up uh with uh, heavy personnel uh and yeah i just uh, i just think this is a, a really good matchup for both teams and yeah you would tend to think it's going to be a high scoring affair in this one between both teams the game's going to be thursday at navy marine corps memorial stadium with a kickoff at seven o'clock um Coach, as we get to the 1A, Cambridge South Dorchester, they fall to Fort Hill thirty-eight to twenty. And, uh, you know, Fort Hill took a big lead in this one. So I, I think that, uh, you know, the points that were scored later in the game um, were uh, were probably more with Fort Hill who had backups in it. I don't say that you know, with any disrespect, but I think somebody pointed out that, that they made the comment where I don't think they realized that Fort Hill got out to like a 31 nothing lead at the, in this one. So just to understand it. But we knew it was an uphill battle. That's an awfully tough team to, to play against and on the road. That's a long trip and uh you know they're they're likely to win out anyway
1: Fort Hill has won gosh I, I'd have to go back and look at the look at the state Bolton but several state championships in a row and now that they've they've had that they they've increased the classifications to six and them and Dunbar are on in different classifications um th- those two teams have got a, a pretty good road getting to avoid each other on their way to win a state championship Yeah, Uh,
0: and in the 1A, it'll be Fort Hill and Mountain Ridge both for Western Maryland. They could play that game at... at Frostburg State. It would probably be more apropos than having to go all the way to Navy. I've talked about that before. They, they maybe even ought to think about doing those kinds of things with maybe some of the state championship games. But look, uh, we, we talked a lot last week. Coach Pierre, the program uh, getting back to the standard that is Cambridge South Dorchester football to go 10-3 and 3 to get as far as they did. Uh, look, sometimes you just play against a better team that has more talent, uh, that uh, is deeper, and, and that's exactly what happened. Nothing to hang your head about. They ought to be very proud of themselves and and now it's okay we need to get back to doing this you know we had to um you know 500 or just below 500 seasons even though we afforded ourselves well in the playoffs now we got to keep that going uh next year although you know Blake LaBelle graduates so they're going to have to to fill the role of quarterback there next season
1: yeah Blake LaBelle was was a big difference maker on that team this year to have you know the experienced the experienced quarterback I can't express how much it makes a difference to have a a kid who is a quarterback and not an athlete or just a thrower and when you have a kid who's both a quarterback and an athlete then you then you really got something special but that that makes a huge difference so he's going there's big shoes to fill um in cambridge
0: this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast brought to you by Queenstown Bank, your community bank on the Eastern Shore with nine branches across four counties. They're conveniently located in or near your hometown. Stop in at any of their branches or give them a call at 410-827-8881. Queenstown Bank, your official hometown bank, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. All right, so let's go through the other matchups here taking place, Coach, uh, for the state championship games. Again, all at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. And again, Steven Decatur, Out of the Bayside, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, taking on Huntingtown for the Class 2A title. On Friday at 4 in the Class 2A 1A, and again, remember that the classifications went from 4 to 6 after COVID with everybody uh, now getting into the state playoffs. Uh, You've got uh, Dunbar and Calvert doing battle at four o'clock. Dunbar out of Baltimore City, Calvert out of Southern Maryland. And uh, last week, of course, I raved about the Southern Maryland Athletic Conference and all the teams uh, that had made it to the state semifinal game. Calvert uh, making it to the championship and Dunbar coach beating Patuxent. And, you know, give them uh, hats off to them. I I thought Patuxent would win that game, but Dunbar pulled it out.
1: Patuxent had them on the ropes. I believe they had a two score lead Wow. Um, at one point. Uh, but Dunbar, th- there—that program, what they've done, the athletes—they keep just coming through that school. Um, Cal—Calbert's going to have have a have a tough day trying to cover those guys. Yeah.
0: Uh, the Class 4A at 7:30. Broadneck and Wise doing battle. That ought to be a really good matchup. Broadneck uh, having defeated a, a Northwest team uh, that upset Queens Orchard, so that certainly helped on their way there. And, and coach going through. Uh, who did they end up uh, beating to get there last week? Uh, going through. Uh, so
1: Wise Wise beat Eleanor Roosevelt. Right. Um, a, P, a PG County matchup, and Broadneck beat. Uh, Churchill. Church- from- Churchill.
0: Yeah, thirty-one yeah. to seven. Yeah, my wife saw my daughter. Churchill was the one seed. And Broadbank, the five seed. And that's where, again, you have to do your homework a little bit with these games. Uh, because, throw the uh, seeds out. Yeah, throw the, throw the <laughs> seeds out is is right about that. That's the Class 4A. Now on Saturday, you've got three games at noon in the 1A, Fort Hill, Mountain Ridge. That is a 1-2 seed game there, uh, both from Western Maryland. Uh, so that'll be, uh, that'll be great for those folks out there, except for the drive that they have to make to Annapolis.
1: Listen, uh, Fort, Fort Hill, I'm sure, has forged a path to to Navy Marine Corps Stadium, MT Bank wherever the state championship is held because they're in it every single year.
0: They could do that uh, trip in their sleep down 68 and 70 to uh, 695 to however they end up getting 97 down to a uh, Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. They could do that in their sleep. All right the class 4A3A, you've got uh, North Point, Uh, Taking on uh, Mergenthaler, or better known as Mervo, and uh, Mervo, uh, they defeated what Perry Hall six to nothing uh, to get to the state championship game. North Point defeated Blake twenty eight to seven.
1: And North Point, um, probably a lot of people, especially kind of in our listening area, probably don't know a whole lot about them. They are an extremely good football team. Um, There's, they're not missing anything. They have the size, the speed. Um, I know Mervo from the city. There, they're a legit football team, legit football program. Yeah, second best to I,
0: Dunbar. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that I, I think North Point would match up against anybody in the state playoffs agreed. Um, really really well
0: yeah no agreed agreed and the class 3a is going to be a really good one a one versus two seed oakdale and Linganore. oakdale defeated baltimore city college we talked last week about city college beating uh mount hebron that was a big win for them but they've got some d1 athletes on that city college offense uh, on that side of the ball probably play both ways um you know what uh, oakdale though dispatched of them 57 to 20 Oakdale's a top 10 team in the state. And that's an Oakdale team that barely beat Milford mill in game one. I think it was of the season. It was like 28, 26 and Oakdale had to throw out everything they had to beat Milford mill. So to see Decatur do what they did against Milford mill, uh, and that's a mill for mill team that that you know was right there at a 2 point loss to a top 10 team in the state it just you know gives you an idea now i know week 1 to week you know 13 teams have evolved and gotten better uh presumably uh, and as is the case here cuz these teams have made it this far in the playoffs but uh that that just tells you something about you know the, the talent and what Decatur did the other night with their win, uh, but Linganore, who uh, played uh, Wicomico and and won uh, handily in Week One against the Indians in Salisbury, uh, they uh, they dispatched of Northern Calvert out of Southern Maryland, uh, fifty six to twenty. So it's Oakdale and Linganore, and you know we know Frederick County football is is darn good.
1: Yeah, and and Oakdale, they're a relatively young school. And they've really cemented themselves in one of those positions where we, we talk about them in the same breath we talk about the Linganors and the Wise's and the Fort Hills and the Dunbar's because they seem to be up in that Final Four every year. And we went and played them when I was at Kent Island. We went up there one year and gave them everything everything they could handle. And then the next year, our field got flooded. We had to go there again, and they steamrolled us.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, yeah. They're, they're an extremely well-coached football team and have a great program.
0: Yeah, Coach Kurt Stein is their head coach, and he does do a very good job. And, you know, we talked about Colin Schley a few years ago who won a state title for Oakdale quarterback. He ended up going to – was it Kent State? And then he transferred last year to UCLA as UCLA's backup quarterback. And UCLA had himself a really good year this year. They beat USC, and I think they finished um, maybe 8-4 and four regular season um I have to see what they did yesterday. Uh, maybe seven of four, eight and four, seven of five. You know, and they'll be going to a bowl game. Obviously, they'll be coming into the Big Ten next year. Uh, so that's uh you know, pr- pretty cool. But I know Oakdale's got a few D1 players on that team this year, one of whom's going to Michigan. And uh, yeah, so that's a good program. It is a relatively new school. The Oakdale was not around when I played back in the in the mid to late nineties out of Frederick. Uh, that that program is just about 15, 18 years old. And in the whole scheme of things, uh, our younger listeners may Think, oh, well, that's old. It's not old compared to some of these schools that have been around for 60, 70 years, maybe longer in some cases. You know, City College has been around for longer than that, they've been around for over 100 years.
1: Yeah, there are some schools that have that they've got you know or three digits when you're talking about their age out yeah.
0: there. Yeah, no, that's right. So those are uh, those are all the matchups there uh, taking place at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium, uh, Stephen Decatur, Huntingtown again Thursday. That game will be at seven o'clock Thursday night. That's the lone game there. Friday, a doubleheader at four, Dunbar and Calvert at seven thirty in the four A uh broadneck and wise saturday in the 1A Fort Hill Mount Ridge at noon in the 4A 3A at 330 North Point and Mervo and then in the 3A at 7 Oakdale and Linganore. So those are your uh, those are your matchups. Hey coach, I, I one thing I have to say going back to uh, critique myself on the broadcast of that Decatur Milford Mill game is that uh, at the end there when Decatur uh on fourth and one, I had said, oh well I you know I thought that they were going to have Bryson pooch punt it and that, you know, do you want to, you know, if you don't get it there, you're turning the ball over to Milford Mill at, you know, the Decatur uh, or at I guess Milford Mills, 35 yard line. You know, do you, uh, you know, I'm not sure you want to do that there. I don't know why I had a brain freeze that, look, you're going to put the ball in the hands of your best, you know, your best player and he's you know he's uh uh certainly tall enough uh to to be able to run into that line and get yourself a yard not wanting to give the ball back to milford mill offensively at all i don't know why i i in my mind thought well i think they're gonna pooch punt in here i don't know that they want to take the chance of turning it over to milford mill and i guess maybe i was showing a little bit too much respect for milford mills uh you know uh, uh size and defensive front there um no they they decatur did exactly what they should there and if they didn't end up getting it, they didn't end up getting it. Uh, that wouldn't have been the end of the game there, but you put the ball in the hands of your best player, and and that's exactly what they did. And he forged ahead for the first down, and, and game over at that point. But that that to throw the red flag on me on that one, that was a terrible, that was a terrible call on my part.
1: Well, that's why these high school coaches get paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to make those tough calls, and we don't. <laughs> no, that's,
0: we right. that's right, that's uh, right. So I, I don't know why I was thinking, oh, they'll pooch punt it here, they'll pin them back. You know, not a lot of time, no timeouts, and I mean, I don't know that that was the worst thought in the world, but at the same time, I get it. Don't you? Don't want to put the ball back in their hands offensively and take any chances there. So, and it uh, and it panned out. Um, Coach, any final thoughts here?
1: Hey, just looking forward to a state championship weekend. I really can't believe it's already state championship. You know, it feels like we, we went to up to northeast Cecil County to do our first game. Didn't seem like that long ago, and all of a sudden, we're at week 14.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's right and we will both be at the game. Hopefully Mark will be at the game as well, but we'll be at that decatur huntingtown game taking notes and of course we'll be able to talk about it. We may do some Facebook live, but I don't want to get in any trouble. And that's a crazy thing with the media rights here is that Sinclair um supposedly has the media rights. They used to put these games on TV on their CW channel out of Baltimore and I used to do the sideline reporting uh for those games for a couple of years Bruce Cunningham who I work with at 1057 the fan was kind enough to say, "Hey, you ought to be a part of this. You're big into high school football on the shore, and what you do there." And so I was, I was proud and pleased to be able to do that for a few years. But uh, things fell apart in terms of being able to do all six games financially. And then the state had said that they thought the TV was taking away from attendance, which I, I respectfully disagree with. But you know, they have the right to 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 take that stand. But the thing is, is that um, in terms of being able to broadcast this game visually. Uh, I don't know that uh, that that can be done until they um, kind of rework the uh, the contract or or end up you know officially nullifying the contract. I'm not sure how long the contract was, but supposedly Sinclair still has the rights at least from a, a TV broadcasting standpoint. I think radio could still do it if they wanted to but you know the thing is is that it would be a shame if uh, you know SDHS YouTube channel couldn't do something, but I don't think they can technically coach.
1: And I think the big travesty here is that we are all denied hearing Doug Duvall do the color <laughs> of these football games. He is, uh,
0: he, he is something. What a, what a good guy. And he, he loves high school football. And oh he won five, five state titles at Wild Lake and, and a million yeah, Howard, <laughs> Howard County championships. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. One of the all-time greats. Uh, if you the-
1: ever have a chance to sit down and have a beer with him and have him tell stories, you got to take it because your sides are going to hurt leaving it's, it's it's such a such a great guy and his his ability to tell a story is is phenomenal. Yeah.
0: Well, as we uh, wrap things up here, this portion of the time out with Shore Sports Podcast has been brought to you by Pret Moy Therapy Associates, located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Pret and the staff get you back to feeling new again. Accepting most insurance policies, so step away from the pain by calling Pret Moy Therapy Associates at 410 604 2982. Also, an Optical Gallery has created a sunglass line known as Hook Optics, an amazing fit for heads of all sizes. At a variety of colored polarized lenses. Stop by an optical gallery in the Teal Marsh Plaza, in West Ocean City on West Water Street in downtown Centerville and downtown Easton on Harrison Street to try on a new pair of Hook sunglasses. Check them out online at eyesandart.net or hookoptics.com. So, Coach, you know, we're, we're certainly looking uh, for uh, Stephen Decatur to bring home that state title. And, you know, in terms of state titles, Now, if memory serves, the last one that was won by a Bayside Conference
1: team, was that Cambridge in 96? I believe it had to be Cambridge in the 90s, because I know Kent County won two in a row in the late 80s. Um, But other than that, I I mean, I don't know of another one.
0: And we know that Queen Anne's made the state championship game in 09, but lost to Eastern Votech. did Snow Hill make a state championship game? They may have, yes. but I think they but they lost that one.
1: Lost but, to Fort Hill or Allegheny, one of those
0: schools yeah. out there. So so here's the thing. If Decatur wins the state championship game, it would be the first Bayside Conference team to win the championship unofficially, but we feel pretty good about saying since Cambridge did it in 96. Who was on that Cambridge-South Dorchester team that won the state title that year, Coach?
1: I believe Jake Coleman was, and yeah. I believe that they may have beaten Kent County in that state championship game. That I'm not sure
0: about, but yeah, how about that? That that Coleman could be, <laughs> the you know, having played on the last team to win it, and then he would be the first coach to win it since then from the Bayside Conference.
1: It, it would be something else to be able to have those uh, two state championship rings next to each other. You know, one as a player, one as a coach, I'm sure would be Extremely special, but he's not thinking about that. He's thinking about, he's probably thinking about practice on Monday.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. I don't <laughs> disagree with you on that. And, and one other thing is that if they're to win the title, you've got Todd Apple, who won a million titles at Fort Hill as their head coach, as a defensive coordinator now. He would pick himself up another state championship, only this time at the two way level. How about that?
1: Oh, and you, you think about the staff that, that Stephen Decatur has assembled. Um, you know, with with Todd Apple, you got you've got coaches there with with experience, head coaching experience, who've played in all these big games. Um, I think that really makes a difference in their program and and their ability to get where they're at right now. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, Fred Billings is on that staff. You've got uh, their offensive line coach. And I'm trying to remember Jeff Herrick, yeah, Jeff Herrick who coached at what Broadneck for years, right? Uh, he's oh, I'd, have a lot,
1: I'd have a lot more wins if it wasn't for Jeff Herrick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he coached at
0: Broadneck for years with the Bruins. Uh, you've got Coach Croto on the offensive as the offensive coordinator. He's coached at a number of high schools. He coached at Salisbury as well. You know, He coached with Coach Griffith at Easton at one point among his uh, stops. He's been over. Uh, he was just telling me the other day, he was over at uh, Oxon Hill. He coached there for a season. I think when he first got his start, I mean he's he's coached in a lot of places. Um, yeah, I don't want to forget anybody. Coach DJ Braun, the wide receivers coach. Um, you, you've got, I know the running backs coach has been a part of that program for a while and has good ties into the rec programs as well. And I apologize I, again, I probably shouldn't say names because I'm going to forget a few, but they do have one of the uh, the the better coaching staffs in the entire state. You
1: know. Yeah, that's, there's no question about it. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. You and I will catch up uh, in Annapolis uh, at some of your old stomping grounds on Thursday for Stephen Decatur Huntingtown. If you're if you're at all possible to get to that game, hey, Bayside Conference, we're all Stephen Decatur fans on Thursday. Hopefully, you could get out and support the team because they win the state title. That makes everybody else look uh, really good uh, in the uh, in the conference. And so, uh, if you can at all get out there and support the Seahawks, uh, that would. be be certainly worth doing as a lot of folks got out to support Kent Island last year and uh, we'll see if the Seahawks can't bring it home to the Eastern Shore with a 2A state title coach thanks so much you and I will uh, reconvene with each other next weekend and uh, we'll we'll catch each other this Thursday sounds good You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley. Presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You can email Mark and Mike with your comments and questions. Mark at ShoreSportsMD.com or Mike at ShoreSportsMD.com. Look for another Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast soon.